no one is, 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 is more locked in. From Thursday to Monday, no one is more locked into the NFL than First and Pod. Hosted by Danny Parkins and Andrew Filipponi. Bucks and Bills. The game that took forever to end. Great Hail Mary at the end. Felt like this was a must win. Borderline must win for the Bills. And they held on and did the job. Your biggest takeaway was what, sir? My biggest takeaway was that the Bills are at their best when they get their secondary receivers involved. I know that's not like a super sexy opinion, but it's something that really hit me tonight in reflecting on the last couple of years. Like we know that Diggs is obviously their best player, but when they get, you know, Shakir had by far his best game. I think he had like a couple catches coming in. He had six for 92, but Gabe Davis with a touchdown, 87 yards, nine catches. When they can get guys who are not Stefan Diggs involved, and that obviously includes Dalton Kincaid, I think that's that I think that's when their offense is at its apex, when they get those other guys involved. Yeah, I mean, we talked about it a little bit uh with that point that Jason Garrett made last week that you know they ran 65 plays, uh 11 rushing attempts, 41 pass attempts for Josh Allen. Like he was the entirety of the offense. So they need they need something else other than Allen and Diggs. And, you know, early it just feel, felt like it was going to be a route. Their pass rush was really disrupting Baker. Um, and at times their defenses looked good this year. Such a damn tough league to, to figure out. There's a hundred examples of it. But they can blow out Miami and then lose to New England and then be in control basically for all of this game, but then not be able to put it away, make dumb defensive penalties late. Tampa drives down the field, that 17-play, like, marathon drive. And then, what a weird ending, man. If Chris Godwin finds the ball in the sky, he easily could have caught that Hail Mary pass. Like, they, they all, having said all those nice things about Buffalo, yes. they easily could have lost that game. Yeah, and, and that finish, like, the last, I would say, three minutes is an indication of why this might be just an above-average team versus one of the top teams in football, kind of a microcosm. I mean, Danny... Fourth and 10 with a few minutes to go on the plus side of the two minute warning. I think I think it was Jordan Phillips. I'm not sure exactly. I'll, I'll double check it. But they have Baker dead to rights. Like he is wrapped up in the arms of yep. the defender. And then he just decides at the end to grab Baker's face mask. All he has to do is just do nothing. Just hold on to him and the game will end. And that happened. And then they allowed some receptions towards the end. And they also are in a situation where, you know, Von Miller goes off sides, which allows the Hail Mary to even be possible. Like, that's not the way they finish is not how a team that is trying to compete for a Super Bowl wants to finish a game like this that they desperately had to have. Yep. And I mean, and Josh Allen does Josh Allen things early, right? I mean, he had the turnover, he had some deflected passes, but then he had some incredible plays as well. You know, he's a. It feels like every quarterback behind Mahomes, and maybe maybe not Burrow when healthy, uh, has question marks. Yes. So, Although I know I know he went in the in the tent during the first half. Did you feel like he looked healthy tonight? Because I thought he did. Josh Allen. Yeah, I mean, after the hit, he seemed to be like a little staggered, uh, you know, a little little gimpy, and then he went in the tent and then he came back, but. Uh, for the most, certainly started healthy, and then I thought looked healthy for the second half. Yeah. And 
Because to your, I mean, your, your point, you're right. I, I don't want to cut you off. But yeah, like the Josh Allen parts of what we see, like when he's running like a gazelle for first downs and just yeah. imposing his athleticism on those plays, you're like, this is Josh Allen. But it's not always, you know, 100% consistently there. I don't know if I should blame him on the interception because it was deflected by Winfield. Yep. Um, but it's like the only reason why Tampa got back in the game to begin with after being down 10 nothing in the game. Yeah. And then, you know, for Tampa, they're they're gonna they're gonna hang around in that division all year. Baker yep. could not have been more wrong about what that team was gonna be. They're they're not great, but I thought they were gonna be bottom five bad. They, they'll they'll play relevant football games in December. I think so. Division. I'm I'm pretty convinced of that. No Vita Vea tonight. Um, Evans is still crazy productive. It's going to be weird to see him in another jersey uh, next year. One of the things that I think that is going to be a big key to this show and the Sunday show where Pony will be back is there's no teams on by this week. Yes. And it's the, it's the <laughs> last game before the trade deadline. And it's a weird thing. Like teams have to make buy-sell decisions often on the result of just a game or two. So we'll talk about that a lot. As we go through the games, uh, just quickly on these teams, I don't see Tampa buying, but I absolutely could see Buffalo buying. What about you? Yeah, 100%. I mean, if you're Tampa, you're in a situation where you are in much more of a reload than anything else. You have a negative point differential. You've lost three games in a row now. Uh, You're going to be competitive because of your talent and the division, but this is no time to buy. And then Buffalo is in sort of the opposite position where – you're going to be competing with Miami for the division. Um, I don't know where you stand as far as the window being open, closed. It's, it's certainly not as open as it was two years ago, but Buffalo has right now, like this might surprise people, they have the best point differential in the AFC. Yeah, I mean, I have been pushing back since the preview, the AFC preview pod. I don't think their window is closed. I and I don't, think, I don't even really think it's closing because I think that you're going to be hard pressed to make a list of quarterbacks better than Josh Allen be five deep, you know. And I, and Rodgers is forty. The Patriots are a disaster, and you know them and the Dolphins will be competitive in that division for the next few years. So I, I, I think that they're still squarely in their window, even if they have taken a half step back this yeah, year. But I, I'm, a, I'm clearly in the minority on that. With Buffalo. I, I could see the Bills making a move for for somebody given their position and and given that there's been a a bit of a backslide as a team overall in each of the last I would say two seasons yes like I I wouldn't you know we'll talk about some of the names but I wouldn't be surprised big offensive player or defensive player uh for Buffalo all right let's get to the games and we we'll try to go a little quicker just given that there's no teams on by like we said so we got a lot to get to here uh Cincy and San Francisco a uh, ton of ways we can go with this game. Clearly the best matchup for the Sunday slate. How crazy do you think the analysis will get if Sam Darnold has to play and then he outplays Brock Purdy? So when you say crazy, like, are we going to be hearing people say that Sam Darnold should start or more just, hey, this is proof that Brock Purdy isn't that good and this is just a Kyle Shanahan masterpiece. And that's what this is really about. Correct. I think the latter. I think it will go from... uh wow, Purdy is only 10-1 to 1 to win the MVP to McCaffrey, Trent Williams, and Debo 
in some combination for a couple of games were hurt. And then Purdy looked very, very vulnerable, had bad fourth quarters in back-to-back games to, hey, damn, remember Sam Darnold? That was a top 10 pick. That's a that's a real talent in a great situation. You could plug and play anybody. You know, like so I I just even though we've seen Nick Mullins there and not everybody's been great, yeah. but I just I I think that it's going to I think Brock Purdy's going to catch a lot of strays if Darnold ends up beating the Bengals coming off a bye in this spot. I I believe you're right. I'm really interested to see, and I'm assuming it's Darnold because obviously Purdy's in the concussion protocol, which typically means you're out at least the game. With Darnold, you know, some people, a lot of people actually nationally had this idea that the Jets like ruined Sam Darnold, which I thought was ludicrous if you actually watched him play there. And that was born out in Carolina, who gave up too much for him. Uh, but it's interesting, Danny. Remember, they signed him like the first or second day of free agency back in March. And he very quickly won the backup quarterback job in a way that it seemed like there was no competition between him and Trey Lance, who had all of that. And you guys were obviously all over that story. All of that invested. And Sam Darnold was like the guy as the backup from the day that he signed. He's talented. He's got a good arm. I think he has issues with, you know, processing, with dealing with the pass rush, those sort of things, which is why he was not successful in New York, nor Carolina. But this is the ultimate test of like an objectively pretty talented passer who has struggled a lot in his NFL career matched up with maybe the best play caller in the NFL. This feels to me like a fascinating science experiment against a good to very good team. Yeah, I can't wait for it. And then on the Bengals side, it's not must win because it's an NFC game on the road against arguably the best team in the NFL when healthy, even though they're not healthy. But Buffalo at Baltimore, Pittsburgh at Jacksonville, at Pittsburgh, at Kansas City, Cleveland. like They they have a brutal schedule the rest of the way. They're 3-3. Three and three. They're coming off a bye. This should be the healthiest they've been all year. And if you're going to get San Francisco, getting them when some of their all-pro players are hurt, it's the perfect time to get them. And the AFC North is very good. Pittsburgh somehow has a winning record. The yep. Ravens are a legit Super Bowl contender. Like this is a bigger game for Cincy than it is San Francisco. I know he had all that time in training camp to, I guess, ostensibly get better with the calf, but I got to see Burrow look healthier on Sunday than he has all season. You know, they kind of stabilized things. They got the back-to-back wins. I thought the win against Seattle was especially critical the way that game went. You had the bye. You kind of reset. You have Burrow some time off. I I need to see that calf look substantially better in this game because you're right. This is a great opportunity for them with those two wins in a row. You're facing uh, San Francisco coming off of the two losses, even though they got some bad breaks, no Purdy. I'm maybe no Debo Samuel in this one. Uh, I looked at this one more about what does Cincinnati bring to the table and how close are they to the team that we saw in each of the last two years? I need to see Burrow look better. Yeah, I hope he does. Um, for the next game, I debated like five different games to put second on the rundown. I settled on this one. I settled on Seattle-Cleveland just because two four and two teams, the home team is a three, three-and-a-half-point favorite. Feels like the closest like coin flip matchup between good teams this week, even though it's weird with Cleveland having the backup quarterback and it's another AFC-NFC matchup. But straight-up question, who you got? 
I've got Seattle because I can't pick PJ Walker going to the Pacific Northwest and getting a win. I, I'm going to answer it very simply in like 15 seconds. I can't pick PJ Walker to win that game in Seattle. Okay, so we're we're the same. I'm a big Geno believer. Uh, I'm waiting for their offense. You know, they had 37 against Detroit, and then they've had these injuries. Uh, and they still have some. You know, Lockett hasn't practiced. Yep. Again, you know, we're recording on a Thursday night. We'll see. But Lockett, Kenneth Walker has missed practice as well. So they still have some issues. And they're going up against, like, so what, what do I want to make of Cleveland when they beat San Francisco and then they <laughs> play a 39-38 game to the Colts and they were the number one defense in the NFL before they played Gardner Minshew and there was a game with four turnovers and it was still 39-38. Like, I want I I don't think they're the best defense if you play a 39-38 game against Gardner Minshew. I can't I can't give that to Cleveland anymore. Yes. Even if Miles Garrett deserves a ton of love and they've got defensive stars all over the field uh and Seattle is banged up but like I I still feel like better quarterback, home field advantage, studs on offense and now I've got real questions about the strength of Cleveland with their defense even if that is recency bias and maybe an outlier performance. If you told me that Cle- like if Cleveland held uh, Indy to 17 last week, I think I'd pick Cleveland because of the Seattle injuries. But that game really, really threw me uh, with how it went. So I, I'm picking Seattle. Yeah, I for me, I'm picking Seattle for slightly different reasons. It, it almost feels to me, Danny, like Cleveland is having like two seasons at once. There's the actual season they're having on the field. Defense has been largely, except for last week, fantastic. Stefanski, I think, has done a fairly nice job coaching. They're four and two. Like they're winning some of these games that they typically would not win. I would say, including the last two weeks. Maybe they got lucky on the Moody field goal, fine, but they were in the game against San Francisco and they got a couple of their guys hurt. Like there's the season they're having on the field. And then interspersed with that is <laughs> this, like, I don't even know how to explain. Uh, this Deshaun Watson situation, which you and I have talked about. And, you know, Mike Florio wrote a story about how there, the headline was that there are strange vibes that continue between the Browns and Deshaun Watson. I read the whole story. I couldn't really figure out what the strange vibes actually were. Uh, I, <laughs> I just, it, 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 it's hard for me to reconcile because they haven't put him on IR. I do not think he is healthy. We talked about it last week. This is a guy, no matter what you think of him as a human being off the field, all of it, this is a guy who has played through significant pain in the past in college and the NFL. We all saw him on Sunday. That is a guy who did not look healthy whatsoever. I I feel like this rotator cuff, this shoulder deal is like a couple of weeks, maybe a month. And I I think they are in kind of a similar situation as the Jets are, except PJ Walker is like Zach Wilson. And Deshaun Watson will return at some point. That, that's how I feel about Cleveland. I think it'd be listen. I, I you know very far from being a professional athlete, but it seems like it would be very difficult to heal a shoulder injury in season while playing. That just doesn't strike me as the type of thing that you can do, especially so, if you come back too early, which he admitted he did. Yeah, I mean, Danny, uh, Danny, I I should I should make make this point. I don't know if I made it Sunday. I think he played that game on Sunday because of the media criticism. Yeah, you did. You did say that on Sunday. It's an impossible point to dispute. 
I saw he came out and said this or week, he's like, <laughs> I've been trying to come back for two years, and now you guys think I don't want to play football? Like, where yeah. where, where would you get that from? Uh, so I don't, I don't buy it. I think that there was poor messaging from the team. Like, the, I think the only weird thing about this is that the report came out that he was cleared to play, and then he didn't. And then I think Stefanski said after Sunday that Watson would play in this game, although that might have been just kind of like a wishful thinking thing. Yeah, he's handled it in a very weird way. Like if Cleveland won this game to get to five and two, I I'd be very impressed making that kind of road trip with PJ Walker and winning against a viable Seattle team. I'd be pretty surprised. I agree. Uh, I also like I said, I something about this game that makes me think it's an over the the 38 is giving the Browns D a lot of respect that I'm not sure they fully deserve anymore. 